What is up, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls from the 704 to the 407? Thank you for making us part of your day. This is the Sports Heard Around the World podcast brought to you by AllConnect.com. It is me, Alex, just today. I'm the only person here. I'm going solo. Ben is uh, in Nashville right now. Uh, he was just at the Titan Stadium, and I can't think of the name of it. But yeah, he's uh, he was just over there earlier this morning when I talked to him. So, and he was he also was in Atlanta last week. So he's he's traveling all over the country. He's driving everywhere, um, and I am here in Charlotte where it's pouring rain. So big difference in in our um, geographics right now. Um, I did want to bring up something before we talk NCAA tournament talk because if you listen to our show more than once, you probably know that I'm a Bears fan, but I am also a big Tom Brady Patriots fan in the sense of I like watching greatness. Um, we, I'm not going to say this is for sure, but we probably could have lost the the best tight end anyone in our generation. And when I mean our generation, I'm talking anyone that is between 12 and 40 um, has ever seen in the NFL. And the reason I say that is because Rob Gronkowski, I can't even say his name, Rob Gronkowski is retiring at the age of 29 after playing only nine seasons in the NFL. So he played nine seasons in the NFL. Four of those, he was an all-pro first team. Now, there's a difference between being a pro bowler and an all-pro. Pro bowlers, you usually get roughly, you know, you get two or three quarterbacks that are pro bowlers, two or three running backs, you know, about six, seven, eight, nine wide receivers. Um, and then if you get someone like, say, Tom Brady this year who could have been a pro bowler. He was going to the Super Bowl, so he obviously declined it. So then next on the list, whoever that would have been, then takes his spot. So sometimes there could be, you know, upwards of eight, nine quarterbacks selected as pro bowlers, depending on how everything's working. Tight ends, they usually carry one, maybe two, um, as far as it goes with each team. Like they'll, they'll probably have two or three, I should say. So six total. To be an all pro means that you were voted the best at your position, period, for that year. Um, except for wide receivers, they usually carry two or three, maybe have a tight end. Like they'll have a Travis Kelsey and a Rob Gronkowski here and there, but it's definitely not like a guaranteed or a frequent. So basically half the time in the league, he was named the best at his position. The only other guy that's played 10 or less, I'm sorry, nine or less seasons in the NFL that has it made the same or more is Antonio Brown at four for all pros. Everyone else, it's taken them more than 10 years. Gronk did it that we also forget he was hurt for roughly a third of his career. Um, he was hurt in 2013 where he played seven games. He was hurt in 2016 where he played eight games. Um, he was banged up in 2017 and 18 where he played 14, then 13 games. And in 2017, he actually, um, trying to, was it 2017 or 16? I forget. I think it was 16 where he missed the Super Bowl as well. And they came back and beat the Falcons. But point being, he was hurt for a decent amount of his career. Also in 2012, his third year in the season, he only put, or third year in the league, he only played 11 games. So he was hurt pretty frequently. In nine career seasons, after missing all those games, all that stuff, 79 touchdowns. The craziest part, though, is he's played 16 postseason games. So he's played a full, quote-unquote, season of postseason games, if that makes sense. So regular season is 16 games. He's played 16 postseason games. In his 16 postseason games, he has 74 receptions for 1,251 yards, and he has 14 touchdowns. He's a machine in the postseason, and that's relying on someone else who, Tom Brady, obviously great, throwing him the ball. 
but he's retiring at 29 because he personally I think he's going to go into a career of WrestleMania and all that stuff because Gronk if you if you know anything about him he he's a happy guy that just loves to enjoy life so I think right now after all the injuries and everything that's beat him up he's just finally saying I'm sick and tired of spending you know eight months out of the year training getting ready playing football being injured being hurt and I just want to kind of I want to get past that I want to be done with that um, so he we, we could be losing the greatest tight end now if Travis Kelsey keeps up the same stats he has right now and he does it for another six, seven years, that it's possible we could say Travis Kelsey is better than Gronk. But just from what we've seen right now, Gronk, in my mind, is the best for two reasons. One, he's the biggest mismatch we've ever seen. His speed, his height, his weight, all that stuff combined with his physicality, where he's, every year he's rated in the top five or four for blocking as a tight end. So not only is he helping your running game, pass protection blocking, but he's a nightmare as far as it goes as a receiver. And he's a big play guy. Very, very rarely have we ever seen Gronk miss a catch or, or do anything like that. Now he's 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 hit a player once before. That wasn't very smart. But I'm not I'm not saying that. All I'm going with this fact that as a tight end, if I'm in the red zone, I would not rather, I would want to throw him the ball every time. There's no one in Randy Moss, great, phenomenal athlete, but Gronk is still a bigger mismatch than Randy Moss was. Because with Gronk's speed, you can put a corner on him, but the biggest corners out there are what six foot six one maybe two hundred pounds. Gronk is six six two seventy. I mean, it's just not fair. And then you put a linebacker on him, well, then he'll run by him. So they've tried to mold a position in a safety to do it, but he's still faster than him. So it's it's just not fair. So he announced his retirement on um, Sunday night, uh, right during kind of NCAA tournament. Um, and then Conor McGregor did something last night, which again I swear breaking news all the time around here. McGregor said that he is going to retire. So he went on Jimmy Kimmel Live last night and about two to three hours later then tweeted that he was going to retire from MMA. He's worth, right now his net worth is roughly $100 million U.S. dollars. Pre-Mayweather, pre-that year fights, he was probably in the lower end of the 20 and below. So he has generational money now. So for him, I don't think he's retiring, but it wouldn't be insane for him to retire because he has that $100 million and he has a, um, I think a whiskey or bourbon business and then he has a clothing line as well. So he's got side businesses and I'm sure that he's got some ad money coming in somewhere. So he is he's set for life, but for him, he's done this before. We've seen him do it. In 2016, he did almost the same thing where he sent out a tweet saying, I'm retiring, and then he came back. Right now, he's in negotiations with um, the UFC to fight this July. So my, my biggest thought is the ploy is he retires, they have to offer him more money, he comes out of retirement for another fight. In no way, shape, or form, though, does he need the UFC. The UFC kind of needs him a little bit, and here's why I say that. He's the biggest name right now. Even though he's not the best fighter out there, he's the biggest card name they're going to have for a very long time. Okay? Without him, they're still great. They're still making a ton of money. They just signed that huge deal with ESPN so that I'm not saying they're going anywhere, but if they can keep McGregor in for another two, three years while another star uprises, that's phenomenal. McGregor is such a big push for them as far as publicity-wise. Why not do that? I mean, he's, he's let's see, he threw a brick through a bus. Like, he, he's he's had a little bit of a rough couple of uh, months here as far as what he's been doing outside of the, the octagon, but he's still the biggest draw they're going to have. So, I mean, I, I know that if Ben was here, I would ask him this, but... I would rhetorically ask it, but I think the answer is pretty obvious. Whose retirement do we believe more Gronk's or McGregor's? There's one rumor out there that Gronk actually said he would come back or his agent said he would come back for the postseason and only the postseason because not only do you get paid more if you do that, 
but then he doesn't have to play 16 weeks. I don't believe that's going to happen, but that's a rumor. So I think McGregor before I'm going to put it out there that before the next podcast is released, he signs, he unretires and then signs up for a fight. So that'll be next Monday or Tuesday, depending on, I think Ben comes back Sunday. He might come back Monday. So either Monday or Tuesday, but before the next podcast comes out from us, he will unretire and sign up for a fight is, is what I'm, I'm not promising you this, but I'm, I'm going to bet heavily on it. If you, I mean, if you, you don't believe me, just look at our brackets. I, I told you how to do a bracket. I told you how to fill it out. I told you it's a very, very easy thing to do. Said there's Ben and I both literally said to you, there's two ways of doing it. You can either go chalk or you can try to pick some upsets here and there. And right now, there's only one guy in the entire country that has a perfect bracket left. Okay. Good for him. Very lucky for him. Minus a few ones that I had. I'm going to go over Kyos here real quick. I'm going to kind of sum it up to where where we're at in all this. Um, he's got UVA and Oregon left. He's got Tennessee, but he doesn't have Purdue. He's got North Carolina, Auburn. Um, he's got Kentucky, no Houston. He's got Zaga, Florida State. Texas, no Michigan. I'm sorry, Texas Tech, no Michigan. Um, Michigan State and LSU, Vatech and Duke. So he's got he's got one, two, three. So he's 13 out of 16 right now. Um, he's he's got Oregon beating Virginia and then beating Tennessee and North Carolina beating Kentucky and Duke beating Florida State and then Duke beating NC in the final four. Or I'm sorry, in the national championship. So. In all reality, his is his is very very similar to mine, minus the fact that he's got Florida State being beating Gonzaga and Oregon beating Tennessee and UVA. Other than that, the brackets look almost the same. Um, so yeah, so thirteen out of sixteen. Ben's bracket is I don't know where he probably took it with him, and he probably is using a pencil to fill it out, and then he'll bring it in next week and tell me how many he got right because I never actually saw him submit one. I just I heard what he told me what was going to happen. Um, I think the biggest thing to take out of the weekend, though, I've got. Uh, my sweet 16 is all there minus um, Maryland. I did not have them. I had Belmont beating Maryland. So let me see. LSU just beat them. So that doesn't matter. So Duke, Virginia Tech, I have LSU, Michigan State, Gonzaga, Florida State, Michigan, Texas Tech, Houston, Kentucky, Auburn, North Carolina. Oh, that's the one. So I have 15 out of 16. I did not have Purdue. I had Villanova. Let me make sure this is right. I did. I had Villanova beating Purdue. I think no nope I'm wrong I had Purdue in there okay so I actually picked all the sweet 16 correctly so my sweet 16 is all what what is what is on there um it's pretty easy though this year's been a lot of chalk and when I say that every single seed is is, is the, they the higher seed advance all except for Oregon and we all agreed Oregon <laughs> was a very hot team coming in they were a Vegas favorite as a 12 to play a five in Wisconsin so we knew that was a win. And then UC Irvine played amazing against Kansas State. Kansas State was without their best player, but UC Irvine still played phenomenal basketball. But then Oregon just came out and just kept playing hot. So Oregon's a one team that um, I think is, is obviously is a 12 seed, so it's not the higher. But other than that, we have chalk. Literally the whole bracket is chalk. And I think we're seeing that because parity is becoming a little bit more, I'm trying to think of the best way to put this, there is more and there's less parity. And I know that makes no sense, but hear me out. There's less parity in the fact that you're not seeing 15s, 14s, 13s really advancing very far. You might see them win one game here and there, but when it comes down to it, it's been chalk. And that's what it is most years is that first Thursday and that first Friday, we see a lot of 12 fives. This year we had three 12 fives. Three. Okay. Three 12 fives win. 
Usually, like I said, it's two. So, hey, there's one more this year. But after that, the better teams tend to win. And that's why you're seeing chalk throughout the bracket right now. The one thing that that is that's kind of scaring me a little bit, and and I don't know what to do about this. You have a Duke team that barely, barely beat Taco in UCF. They shouldn't have beat, they should not have beaten Taco. Not to, I mean, I don't think they should have. They got extremely lucky when there were two missed baskets at the very, very end of the game by UCF, one on a tip-in. And Zion Williamson, I don't know how he did it, but he drove right, spun left, got an and one, and then made the basket, made the free throw to go up by one. Had he not made the and one, they would have just been tied. I mean, the fact that with that with that little time left, he got fouled and made the and one, I... I I don't want to say it's bad defense by UCF, but just don't touch the guy. Let him, at least if he scores, you're tied. Don't don't change it up. Don't do anything. Just uh, anyway. Point being, Duke escaped. Tennessee, who <laughs> I'm a little scared right now, is who I have winning it all. They're not playing very well. It took them overtime to beat an Iowa team that escaped from Cincinnati in their first round. An Iowa team that's a ten seed that is good, but not anywhere near how Tennessee played them, and they had to go into overtime. Tennessee also struggled with Colgate in their first game. I don't know if this is Tennessee, I don't want to say not caring because that's not the right word, but I think they're just playing like they don't, they they expect to win and you can't do that now anymore in March. So looking at the, the whole top bracket, I kind of, I was thinking about how the best way to do this was and instead of reseeding the whole tournament because that's just going to confuse too many people and, and take all that. So just look at the top half of your sheet with the Duke, on the top left and Tennessee on the bottom right. So that that top area. I think Duke beats Virginia Tech. They've played them three times this year, or this will be the third time this year. Um, Duke's used to them. Zion's playing out of his mind. I, I, I don't see, I, I just don't see, even though Duke, it was a close game, when a team has only truthfully lost one game this year, Duke's only real loss in my mind is when they lost to Gonzaga in the, gosh, it was probably game four or five of the year. They haven't lost in a very long time with Zion there. And I think that's a difference maker that just is so hard to overcome. There's taking Duke. I think Virginia is just too good for Oregon. I know Oregon's playing hot, but Cinderella's glass slipper is going to be left in the round of Sweet 16. Virginia's going to advance. I don't know who to pick with LSU and Michigan State because LSU hasn't been playing terrible. I mean, they struggled a little bit in their second round game with Maryland. But, I mean, other than that, you know, they they had Yale. Yale had them on the ropes a little bit, but... They're not playing great, but they're still LSU. They won the SEC outright. And then you've got the Big Ten tournament champions and regular season Michigan State, who is just rolling past people right now. So I don't really know what to do as far as it goes. Because, I mean, Maryland, excuse me, Michigan State struggled a tad bit with Bradley in round one. But round two, they looked great and won easily against a Minnesota team that they had played already this year. So I think you take Michigan State there. Again, Duke, I think, beats Michigan State. We'll, we'll have to see how that is. Um, I think Virginia advances. Tennessee, I think, beats Purdue. And then I think Virginia advances again. I'm staying with... I mean, this is how my bracket looked, and this is exactly... The one one thing I don't know what to do is, is on the bottom half of the bracket, I'm, I'm torn between cross games. And when I mean cross, I mean the Gonzaga, Florida State, and the Houston-Kentucky game. And here's why. Florida State has looked really, really really scary good this tournament they looked really good this year and they're looking good again in the tournament okay gonzaga they look great i mean gonzaga is playing extremely well but they haven't really been tested yet either so they've won 87 49 and 83 71 
they haven't been tested at all. They haven't. I mean, granted, Gonzaga has a little bit of a more mature team as older guys are on the team, but they haven't been tested yet. So to not be on the ropes in the NCAA tournament yet, that's fine. There's nothing wrong with that. But that also means that when it comes down to crunch time, you, your guys might choke a little bit and or tense up a little bit more. So that's just something to think about there. A good Florida State team, a Gonzaga team that hasn't been tested yet. I'm torn there. I think Texas Tech is playing too well. I think they beat Michigan, I don't want to say easily, but for all intents and purposes, fairly easily. Um, Auburn also playing very well. North Carolina is playing great, though, too. North Carolina is just a better team in general. It will be fun to watch Auburn, though, because they just chuck threes left and right. I mean, if I I, I watched, the, obviously, the whole um, Kentucky-Wofford game, and Wofford just shoots threes left. And, I mean, they had the second-best three-point percentage in all out of all 335 NCAA teams. And the only other team that was above them was like, I don't even like Cal Polytech or something. I don't know. I'm, that's not true, but it was someone like that that's not in the tournament. So they obviously shoot the lights out, but they did, just didn't hit the, they didn't hit the shots there. So um, point being on all that, if Auburn's not hitting shots, they have no chance against North Carolina. I know that sounds very obvious, but you have to be shooting 40, 45% from three-point range to beat a North Carolina team that's superior to you. But I think it'll be a good game. I don't know what to do with the Kentucky-Houston, and here's why. Houston, um, they, for 30 minutes, looked like they were struggling with Ohio State um, and then came out and won pretty easily. In their first game, they destroyed Georgia State, so they've looked they've looked good in both their games. Kentucky has not. Uh, first game looked great, obviously, but against Wofford, they didn't look great, and I understand they're at, without P.J. Washington, but here's the thing. He has to be back for them to win any more games. I think they could sneak by Houston, but I, I, I'm not confident without him. With him, I think they're a lot better team, obviously, and I think they, they would beat Houston. Without him, I, you, you might as well call it a coin flip. So in my mind, it, it comes down to P.J. Washington, if he's healthy or not. If he's not, I, 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 I don't know who I'm picking. But I can tell you if he is, I'll take Kentucky, and then I would take North Carolina to beat Kentucky, I think. Maybe. I don't know. I guess we would have to figure that out as we go. Because, um, again, is P.J. going to be healthy for that game? I, you know what? I'm, I'm just going to do it. If PJ's healthy, they win out as far as this weekend goes. If he's not, I no, they don't. They definitely don't win out. They might win one game, but probably not. So um, it's just interesting to, to look at the bracket and how we always say that chalk is, it's the boring way to go, but <laughs> there's a reason that I'm leading in both of my tournament challenges with other people in them. It's because you, you pick an upset here or there in the first round, and then you pretty much pick chalk because that's what happens as you go down the road, and that's how you, you just keep going down, and that's what happens. So... It'll be, like I said, it'll be interesting to see how it, it turns out, how it ends up, all that. Um, you know, I don't I don't foresee any major, major upsets this weekend. It doesn't mean it won't happen. Um, but, you know, it, it's not on my radar. I'll put it that way. Um, Mel Kuyper Jr. came out with his draft 3.0. Um, the one biggest change is that we're seeing um, Drew Jones out of Duke not in there, and we're seeing more of a, a focus on three tight ends possibly taken in the first round. Now, the reason is uh, Jones was slotted to go to Captain America's Fighting Patriots um, at the 32nd pick, but since Gronk retired, now they're going to take a tight end. The The Patriots, um, the Patriots depth chart for tight ends um, is not, I don't want to say it's not good because that's not the fair thing. They're playing in the NFL. I'm not. Um, but there, it's not exactly. Let me just see how to put this. In. It's not a star studded anymore. Okay, so that that's just the easy easiest way to say it. So they they need a tight end. Um, 
You see, it's just it's, it's so they're going to end up taking one there, and then they'll probably take a quarterback in the second round. But I think that's something interesting to look at the fact that um, the six-time Super Bowl champs aren't going to take a quarterback; they're going to go ahead and take a tight end. I can promise you that um, because they value they value that position a lot. Uh, we do a baseball starting. It started last week, and then it starts this week again on Thursday. So like, it's kind of all over the place. Um, I know that next week we'll probably do a longer show if possible. We'll go over the tournament and then also go over um, baseball because we haven't covered baseball in in depth like we did last year, where we're going to go division by division, literally tell you who we think is going to win, why, all those type of things. Um, but yeah, so that starts this Thursday, and for all intents and purposes, is when the the real games start. And then not next week, but the week after, I'll be in Chicago uh, Monday and Tuesday for opening day at Wrigley. So I'm pretty stoked about that. Um, I did, I did want to bring up that the Tampa Bay Lightning are 59 and 14. I think, and I could be wrong, and I would have to check, but I'm, I'm like 98 percent sure that we said they were going to lose less than 17 games, and right now they have. Four, four games left. So they would have to lose three out of four. We said they weren't. I mean, look, you can't make this stuff up. We said they were going to lose less. Than, and that was when they were like 30 and 10 or something like that. Like halfway through, like, yep, they're not losing seven. They're, they're for all intents and purposes, are not going to. So um, I'm super excited for the hockey playoffs to start. It's such a fun time this time of year when baseball starting, NCAA tournament with March Madness going nuts. You've got hockey and hockey playoffs are so intense. It's, it's Masters is coming right around the corner. It's, it's the best time, I think, this and then the fall are the best times to be sports fans. It can be a long summer with the MLB. Trust me, I know that. But if you're a diehard fan, it's not a long summer. Some people, they do think it is. But this time, enjoy it while you can. Enjoy the weekends. Have fun watching sports. Enjoy it. Um, everyone, be safe. Stay cool. I'll talk to you next week. Peace and deuces. Peace and deuces.